Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. and welcome back to the last episode of this year's Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you about the real Ireland. I am, as always, Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my own little Christmas elf, Robert Cross. Hi, everyone. Rob here. I wouldn't say I'm an elf, so I'm almost as tall as you were. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so this is going to be our last episode of the year. We're recording it on St. Stephen's Day or Boxing Day or the 26th of December, whatever you um, uh, prefer in your, your part of the world. To answer a question, because some people were, were giving out about this in the Irish Simpsons fans Facebook group today. Generally in this country, we do say Stephen's Day, but I know in more Ulster, the north of the, the island, they do tend to say Boxing Day. It's not just a, like a an English kind of thing, even like Irish people would say it as well. So, I mean, I don't particularly take an issue with either of them. We would just generally say Stephen's Day down here. But of course, in my house, too, it's, it's actually my brother's birthday today. So that's mo- mostly what I would think of when like... So it's Richie's Day. day. <laughs> uh, Dickie's Day, I think sounds better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, like it's a... It's an old argument, I suppose, Stephen's Day or Boxing Day. I think in yep. general in Ireland, though, it is Stephen's Day. But uh, how was your Christmas, Rob? Ah, wonderful. It's, um, we're, I, I suppose, to, to give context, in Ireland, we've, unlike the UK and a few other places that actually went into lockdown for Christmas, we didn't fully go into a lockdown here in Ireland. So we were allowed to have a few people over. So I had my grandmother over who was kept socially distant from the rest, was wearing a mask, and we had her in a, a more ventilated area for the Christmas dinner separate from us. And and it was just very nice to see her. It really meant a lot to her. And I got to see my other nana at her, her door on Christmas Day a bit earlier and went down to my godmother's house with my family. And we'd, uh, we we had a, a few glasses of um, champagne and uh, a little one of those little meat uh, and cheese rack things out out their back garden because it was well ventilated and our, our two dogs were interacting. So it was a it was a very nice day, I must say. I got some wonderful presents as well, including a very nice one off of my co-host, which is a delightful <laughs> book I'm looking forward to reading. Yeah, just a, a nice present and a bit of homework for you yeah well it, it'll you, you'll know when it comes up in a podcast i think it'll it'll be quite obvious i think Stu was very happy with the present i got him as well it's uh i i know he's a fan of it you, you get some good yeah, news so, out of it, i'd say Stu. of course rob got me a, a bottle of jameson one of uh, ireland's favorite whiskeys i might be okay in saying um yeah specifically the stout edition so obviously uh aged in stout barrels it was lovely i've had quite a bit of it you might say uh, which <laughs> is no surprise yeah i think people tend to get myself and Stu a fair bit of whiskey over christmas so i think we're there there's there, i'll have no shortage of it this week and i don't think Stu will either 
<laughs> no, we definitely won't. No, I had a good Christmas as well. You know, my, my aunt came over very, very low key considering the situation. As I said before, we normally go to the graveyards, but uh, we decided yeah. against it this year just kind of to keep everyone safe. My niece got more presents than I've ever gotten in my entire life, uh, <laughs> which is no surprise. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, we got a lot of nice stuff to keep us going in our coming lockdown. I, I was going to I was gonna actually ask you, because I mean, you have your little niece at the house. Elf on the shelf and everything that goes with it. Yeah, the, she's first grandchild, isn't yes. she? Yes. So she's probably getting a bit a bit extra. <laughs> yeah, first and only for, for quite some time, I should say. I, yeah. <laughs> well, that's lovely anyway. So considering the time of year it is, and a lot of people have uh, not been able to return, and uh, since leaving is one of Ireland's favourite pastimes, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the Irish abroad and uh, where they might be. Specifically, I found um, a kind of a map online that I assume uses census data. I couldn't exactly get a, yeah, the, where the figures came from. It has from like 1990, uh, 2000, 2010, 2013 to kind of give you an example. And it's just That's seeing really cool. various small numbers of, of Irish people around the world. I think it's fair to say we, we get we get arounds to. Oh, of course. I assume it's specifically people who, who live there rather than expats. Yeah, but uh, you know, citizens. Uh, but obviously, our heart goes out to anyone who wasn't able to return home over the Christmas season. Uh, like my uh, uncle in New York, who wasn't able to get back this year, but uh, he's you know did call in and everything, so that was nice. Yeah, so I'll go through a few of these. I know you have some stories about specific Irish enclaves. Oh, I'll, I'll talk about the likes of South America and that. Let's see any small, interesting ones? So the Faroe Islands. Would you hazard a guess, Rob? Uh, well, I know the, the Faroe Islands are, um, they're a Danish territory, aren't they? I would assume so. I have no idea. Yeah, I believe they're like a constituent country of the Kingdom of Denmark. Um, and um, I presume there's Irish people there, Stu, because it's um, it's not, a, <laughs> I, I suppose it's not a million miles away. I presume it would have been like, it would have been possible, I suppose, for people to, to go there and boat. The official figure on this anyway is three. <laughs> I love it. There have been three people on Faroe Island since 1990, so I can only assume they're the same three people. Yeah. I think the the most interesting ones tend to be uh, the more Middle Eastern countries. The likes of Saudi Arabia went from zero in 1990. Uh, and even in 2010, they still had zero, but within three years, apparently, had jumped to 3,000. I don't Maybe know. Maybe that's, that's down to lack of data. But... I think it'd be lack of data because I do ha- did have a cousin who was an engineer. Now, I don't know him terribly well, but I'm pretty sure he was in Saudi Arabia. Like he, he was sent over there. Um, I think it was in the early stages of when they were kind of like solar power so like they'd put like these massive solar panels um like i don't know farms whatever you call it, just out in the middle of the desert because there's nothing else there so they can just generate a, a huge amount of solar power off these things so i think he was working out there on that so i'm pretty sure he was there before 2010 but you know yeah as, as i said th- this could be completely off but yeah. at least we can say that there are a number of people there. Obviously, in more recent times, a lot of Irish people who trained as teachers have gone over to, to those uh, wealthy areas of the Middle East. The UAE is quite popular. Uh, there's, there's no income tax yeah. over there. Uh, I mean, there's like 7,000 apparently 
in uh, in the United Arab Emirates in 2013. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, be, be saying anything against our, our uh, Muslim brothers, but um, I would find it very difficult to live in a place where alcohol and uh, bacon were illegal, um, in, in my own humble opinion. <laughs> oh, I can totally uh, understand that. What do you think about uh, South Africa, Rob? I'd say quite a lot. There, there, there's actually, well, I think we have a, in a sense, a lot of Irish people did go there when it was a British colony. I know a lot of the, <clears throat> there's, there's a plenty of stories about Irish rebellions in the 19th century. Uh, everything like Robert Emmett's Rebellion, the Young Irelanders, uh, the Irish Society, the Invincibles. A lot of them actually went to South Africa after they kind of found, you know, kind of got found out and the British were after them. And I, Irish did fight with the Boers in South Africa against the British um, in the two Boer Wars. I believe, but I stand to be correct on this, that the very first memorial to Irish um, like volunteers was actually in South Africa in Paul Kruger National Park. The, the most significant contribution that South Africa has made to particularly where we're from in Limerick is, of course, tackies. Oh, right. We, 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 South Africans call like runners, trainers, you know, like Nike Airs, whatever they call them, tackies as short. And we also do here in Limerick. Nowhere else in Ireland does this. Well, the number anyway is 12,000. Yeah, that would be about right, I would say. And then just around there, we have Botswana in 2013. They had 653 Mm -hmm. and Zimbabwe had 1,200. Yeah, I think obviously Zimbabwe, formerly Rhodesia, which was another um, kind of a similar apartheid system to South Africa for a very long time. There was a lot of um, Irish people that did, did, did live over there when it was more, you know, what ruled by a white minority. Another high one is, of course, Spain, where we have noted before is one of our main holiday destinations. So I assume a lot of people during retirement or maybe even earlier have decided to make a go of it over there. So there's 17 and a half thousand as of 2013 in Spain. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's been traditional kind of links to it as well. I mean, the, the old Spanish Armada off the coast of Ireland, the Spanish Point in County Clare. Yeah, I will jump over to the American continent, uh, where obviously the first step would be the States itself. I'd say quite, quite, quite a lot of people here with either Irish descent or dual citizenship, I would think. As of 2013, it's uh, 143,000. Yeah, I, I would presume that would have been higher. Is this like just... Irish people working over there now, is it? Or? I would have to assume that the source is the United Nations. Okay. So maybe it's like first generation or people who identify as, as Irish as their would, heritage. I don't know how they... I presume it must be in the millions if it's in terms of like people of Irish descent and... Um, even like people who have like dual citizenship, because oh, if your if your grandparents are Irish, you can apply for Irish citizenship. I mean, Quite an interesting look down towards South of America. We have little pockets, small groups like Peru has about two hundred and fifty. Argentina has eighty seven. Yeah, but as we kind of said in the when we did the report about Che Guevara visiting Nimerick, there were quite a lot of people in Argentina and South America of Irish descent. The last couple with quite large populations that I'll point out, we have Australia with 77,000 and uh, New Zealand with almost 9,000. So suffice to say, we get around quite a bit. I think even outside of that, like, I mean, I I know people who would be in, uh, people I know from college and friends and everything else that are in like Japan, China. Yeah, I mean, it's... uh, we're certainly all over the place. Right, so I think we'll leave it there and uh, we'll jump in to the Talking Blarney Awards ceremony, yep. which we're tentatively titling The Golden Crocs. 
Yep. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get the shoes sorted. <laughs> the shoes, the animal, whatever way it works, or an actual crock of gold, since that's kind of been our thing from the beginning. I think we'll start with stereotypes as something just to bring us into it. So, Rob, what is your strangest stereotype? Well, Stu, you know, it, it, it's kind of... I'm going to do kind of like a, a... What would I feel one, and then kind of do like a, an honourable mention here as well, because... I was very torn between these two things, I must say, because they kept coming up. So I'm gonna do okay. I'm gonna do yeah. my honorable mention as uh, being bad hosts in a sense, because we we, we saw it in Chasing Leprechauns, oh, yeah, the, the Yank. It's just like the, the bad B and Bs with the bad service and all this stuff, and it, it's even kind of in some of the other ones. So I'm like, all right, is is that a thing? Yeah, whatever. I mean, but I don't think it's enough. I'm I'm gonna say what, what I think the strangest one is is the love that we apparently have for corned beef i i mean it's just there constantly <laughs> i know oh, you the same one of the it, same one rob corned beef like all the way in the yank it's in chasing leprechauns it's in the simpsons and family guy one i think it's actually in far and away as well it's in what wild mountain time i think it's mentioned too it's just where is this coming from i i honestly don't know yeah from from a little bit of research i've done apparently it's more of a an american irish tradition yeah that just kind of they started up and so obviously if they started up there over the the years it kind of was like oh well if we do it then the irish must do it too yeah but i mean like i've haven't had corned beef probably since i was about maybe 10 or 11 yeah it was just a surprisingly odd stereotype to have and especially i think in the yank just the the pile of it in their that sandwiches was crazy was that a was lot. a load of it or like in the simpsons where it's on tap in the the pub along with the cabbage oh it's yeah yeah like, oh, ah, geez, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that later <laughs> either one they were both as bad so next i'll do the most accurate stereotype and i might jump first and say that the obvious one and every year we do this that might might win is the most accurate stereotype which is drinking yeah uh, obviously we do enjoy our drink i just said pub slash drinking is my one so i think we, we kind of both got it right um yeah i mean it's it's not inaccurate <laughs> yeah look it, it comes up in a lot of movies obviously uh the pub is is a focal point for Irish society and so it makes sense that a lot of scenes take place there or around it obviously we don't go as wild as some interpretations might have like the father Ted with um father Jack we we don't all get that wild with our drinking or, or in a... we definitely do enjoy it I think you got a you got quite a number of uh, bottles of whiskey for Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I never said we were we weren't somewhat stereotypical ourselves, do. I mean, that's uh... yeah, that's why it's the most accurate. Yeah, but I think overall, I I kind of was more saying about the pub side of things specifically. Um, it's in pretty much every film we've we've done or TV show we've done. The Simpsons literally, you know, go to buy the pub, and um, it's a major plot point in chasing leprechauns and like the Yank and everything else. So I think it's it is right as Stu said, it is the center of a lot of these small rural places and it is important definitely we'll jump on then to the last in the category the most inaccurate stereotype um you know Stu, i'm not really sure this is a stereotype i just want to give out about it more uh that we think that we're bees <laughs> oh i thought we might have swept this one by all having the same stereotypes but no i, I did not put in bees so so what about it uh thinking we're bees was the worst for you um it's just the stupidest thing i've ever heard it's like wild mountain time 
is a terrible film and that is the big secret reveal just annoyed me it's just like i just want to give out about it a bit more because we're going to be taking the piss out of this for probably years to come on this podcast but that was i really really hate it and the more i've thought about it the more i've hated it too and the more i've looked back at that film and look back listen to where our episode again the more of like that's the stupidest thing i've ever seen in a film about ireland while i do agree with you i don't see it as a stereotype as much as a dog shit plot point yeah. for a movie i know but i think just overall that was just the only place i can put it right i would have to say my most inaccurate stereotype is that we all love you too i knew for some reason that one <laughs> It came up a couple of times, uh, obviously in the Yank and a few others, but it was just, you know, I think most people now here are indifferent to it. Maybe the older generation who kind of grew up when they were at their height, but not really our generation that I've seen. You know, obviously some of their songs are good or whatever, but actively listened. As a more serious one, I, I did actually put down that I that we all smoke pipes. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I suppose pipes uh, would have been quite common in the past. I mean, I know we have our own uh, Cahill's shop here in Limerick, which still sells tobacco products and pipes. So I think it's from like 1890. Yep. So I think it might actually be the oldest tobacconist in they the country. They also have a nice loose leaf tea as well. I, I, I will a note on the side. Well, yeah, they, they did kind of have to advance the times the next category that we might do is worst actor yeah so i've i've kind of done this in kind of two like i've got a, a, a an honorable mention and like uh, the winner so an honorable mention to seth mcfarlane for for the episode of family guy which i think was objectively the worst episode of a tv show we've had to watch I, i'm not saying it's the worst overall because you know we mostly get kind of movies this year so we're not we don't have a separate category for tvs but i think just his performance as all the characters was terrible in the episode and he also mostly wrote it so just you know give giving him uh, that but um the actual rawhead Ooh. rex himself the the actual person in the suit <laughs> um okay i just think it was terrible so uh, henrik von uh, schellendorf uh was the actor that was playing him in the suit uh just that i think he didn't do a great job with the suit i understand there's limitations putting it on but i just felt it you know it was just the worst part of the film was the action seeing the actual monster and everything else while i was kind of going back and forth are there more other acting things i can give out about here for me i think that was probably it because i felt it took away from the film the most yeah i mean i i think you have to cut him a little bit of slack because obviously it's a suit i mean would you have been saying the same thing if it was peter mayhew who was almost cast as rawhead rex i wouldn't have if he if he did a better job overall i i think he knows how to act in a suit like as chewbacca far better than this guy does as the the rawhead rex Uh, i'm going to give worst actor to tom cruise in Far and Away. You know, I've seen a lot of Tom Cruise movies and I do genuinely enjoy them quite a lot. This one just didn't do it for me. He is a fantastic actor and part of that is that he he really like gets into the roles and obviously accent is his own separate category but considering what he can do this was a rush job. I know he was a little younger uh, than he is in most of the other things that I have seen but uh, it was just messy. You know, just the way he acted in it was wrong. You know, like it's hard to define it but it just didn't have what I thought he could have done with it. I I did think about this because I think as people know from our review, I really hated that film and I thought his accent was really bad. But I suppose, specifically because we're taking the accent away here, I think his other acting in the film isn't actually that bad. And like, I don't think he's the worst we've seen because if you look at his physicality when he's like fighting and things like that, he doesn't do a bad job. Like he actually makes his punches look like they're connecting. Yeah. So then of course we have the category worst actors, female. So, 
for that one, I'm going to have to go with Emily Blunt. I had a feeling you would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, we did not enjoy Wild Mountain Time, but the way she portrayed this character was strange at times. Obviously, there were some dark materials in there, and, and it was hard to, to parse what she was saying and what was actually kind of the intent behind it. There were a lot of weird scenes yeah. where she was oddly aloof that didn't make sense. It, it was another messy one, really, for me. I will say Emily Blunt was going was my initial choice for this and I was going to say her and I look back but then I was like actually no I am going to go with Julia Roberts in Michael Collins as Kitty O'Shea because I yeah now oh hear me out here so right her acting in the film isn't you know isn't maybe as bad as some of Emily Blunt's in places. However, I think her accent is worse. Now, I know we're not doing this as part of specifically this one, but I feel right. as a more experienced actor, because if, if actually the same thing, it's an Ameri- two Americans playing Irish people and putting the work into it. I feel that Julie Roberts put less work into being Kitty than Emily Blunt did as, um, but it, sorry, the character she plays in, that, I forget her name. Fiona, <laughs> maybe? Yeah, I, I think it was that. Um, or was that the, the, the name I'm that not, I kept I'm, calling her but it yeah, wasn't I mean, look, I'm not re-watching that film against you I don't care I just feel that overall and particularly because Julie Roberts is playing a historical character for where there was a lot of primary sources about including from the, the actual person herself who wrote lived well into the 60s wrote plenty about her experience there's a lot to, to, to build on there and in particular in contrast to she is against like Liam Neeson doing a fantastic job as Michael Collins so when they share a scene together it's you know she she looks, you know, the inferior actor. Um, whereas with Emily Blunt off, uh, opposite Jamie Dornan, because they're both giving like stilted performances and they're both kind of with dodgy accents and stuff like that, it's they look about the same. She maybe looks yeah. a bit worse. So I think overall... Like, I, I, I do get what you're saying, but at the same time, and it's been a while since we've watched it, but she's more of a secondary character. She doesn't get anywhere near the screen time that Liam Neeson and the rest get. No, I, but I think at the same time, it's fair. The, the criteria that I kind of did, I started out with like for what do I think, who do I think is the best actor before I got to the worst. And I was thinking like to take accent out of it and the criteria I used for best actor, which I'll go into more in the when we get to that bit. I felt that she didn't meet any of the criteria that I had down for what makes a good actor or, or good actress in this. Well, like part of that is obviously she's, she's playing a, a real person, but depending on how much time she actually had with the role she may not have even known much about her whereas you know Emily Blunt is kind of creating this person and should be able to have more free reign to do a better job I mean she gets to kind of envision who her her character is and yet is very one note in what she does with it I think though at the same time with Wild Mountain Time it's the writing is the main problem in the film while you can critique both of their performances and that's perfectly fine I think the main issue with the film is the the writing stifles them enough that isn't as much of an issue in Michael Collins where the writing is you know it's not the greatest film ever made by any means but it's still better than Wild Mountain Time so it primarily comes down to the the actors and actresses performances in the film All right. well I suppose we'll leave this one up to the listeners since we both have quite contradicting opinions so hopefully someone will email in and uh, debate with us as to which one they think was worse. We will jump then on to 
uh, most interesting report. Yeah, I, I, I suppose in the sense I didn't want to pick one that I did because I, I felt that was mostly unfair. I think the most interesting one actually was the, the, the Irish origins of Halloween that you did. I found that really, really interesting, and I just, I just really, I just really enjoyed it. Um, I, I remember like I had my little bit at the end about the weird Halloween traditions we did, but I genuinely quite liked that. Um, I, I felt it was a bit of fun, and I, I didn't want to be as arrogant enough to, to put like the Che Guevara one down because I like that one because you know. I, I learned the most myself <laughs> like I something that I thought for years that was one event like Che Guevara in Ireland is actually two separate events and that really is like oh that's really interesting and the more I looked into it the more I found out but I felt that was just to say like I, I did the best one is a bit you know <laughs> blowing my own trumpet and stuff like that so I, I felt to give credit well look I mean I, I don't yeah. think there's any problem yeah. with picking your own report if because it was it was about the, the, the content yeah. not who did it uh, I I think it, there's no surprise that I actually am on the same page as you when I picked Halloween yep. as well. I thought just kind of something that we've lived with for, for so many years and people do all over the world and then finding out where it came from and just the, the, the history behind it connecting so much to Ireland was really interesting. And that, yep. you know, rather than I'm not trying to you know toot my own horn by saying, oh, I made the best report. It was that the, the content was the interesting well, part. I think, and I really I enjoyed agree you. I think, finding I think out, the especially content... like the, the, the little... Parts. The content was good, and I think it as well. You're quite good at telling it, and I think if, if you contrast that to maybe the first one about the theft of the Irish crown jewels, you know, I can even tell like your your storytelling got a lot better. And I mean, I I don't mean that in a bad way. As someone who you know is in the performance world of like performing poetry and doing short stories, um, I think you've improved quite a lot. And as of course this podcast you have as well, I think that's one of the best things you've done in terms of just you talking. All right, so I mean, look as well. Obviously, it's a it's a learning experience. We're only starting off we've only, we we've done a couple of reports but uh there'll be many more in the new year to uh keep practicing and getting better at now next shall we do we'll go worst accent yeah. male yeah so we're going to do worst accent male so i mean as i kind of said before with the worst actor and worst actress taking out the accent i suppose is you know did have impacts on that but i i suppose this is going to be controversial um, I think again, and I'm going to just say this right now. This is the criteria I used for worst accent in ma- male and female, and also with the kind of best accent as well. Um, I think if, if someone makes a, at least an attempt at an accent, it's better than making no attempt whatsoever. I'm actually going to go with Sean Connery and Darby Gill and the Little People because there, in my oh, in my mind, there was no attempt. At an Irish accent here at all. Sean Connery was playing Sean Connery, which is fine. But I mean, like, I in the very first episode, I said, "Oh, he has like you know the he has the the East Dublin accent, a very far, far, far East one that ends up in like you know Scotland uh, across the Irish Sea." Because I think by any metric you can judge what is the best or worst Irish accent. If it's not an Irish accent, it's objectively the worst. And that is a Scottish accent too. That's just Sean Connery speaking normally. I There is no time he, in my mind, and I actually went back and re-listened to this again, just to be sure. There is no attempt at an Irish accent there that I can like I can hear. And while he's he's good in the film, he has a good commanding presence in this film. He's by no means the the worst actor in any of these films. He's right up there. I think he was well cast. Doesn't do a bad job singing either. To to his credit, but he's not doing an Irish accent. Yeah, like I I, I do agree with you. Obviously, he's supposed to be from yeah. Dublin, and there's nothing of a Dublin accent in there. I do think that from my experience of it, there was 
an Irish lilt there that you don't hear in his normal speaking voice. Obviously, it's slight, so I can see where you're coming from. I, however, gave it to Wild Mountain Time again. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I actually chose Christopher Walken. Yeah. Now, yeah. my my reasoning is a bit okay. odd because he does a terrible Irish yeah. accent, but it, it's it's more that in a similar vein to how Sean Connery's accent is iconic. Christopher Walken has a very unique Christopher accent Walken's icon. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a very iconic accent when he's speaking normally, and it just I I don't feel it meshed well with whatever type of accent he was going for. Especially obviously, what were they? They were like in Mayo, Mayo yeah. or whatever. There's no attempt at anything close to that, and so. Just the it's it's hard not to think when you're listening to him of his normal accent and then the the contrast with the terrible paddying see, up of his accent that he's doing for the I role. Take your point, and I, I think like just like Walken has a very very unique accent, and you know it's just always there. He's it's it's his cadence as well. It's just the way he speaks, and it's kind of what makes him kind of an actor in that sense because it just works for him. I really you know it did cross my mind that it was like him and Jamie Dorman from Wild Mountain Time, Tom Cruise, and then Sean Connery, and I listened back to kind of them talking again and in in the films and. You know what? I felt he did, he at least tried more than Sean Connery did in my view. And it's not, you know, it's it, it, it wasn't 100% right. But I think there's only so much of his accent he can kind of put away. But I felt he... Yeah, but at the same time, what you have to realise with that is that if, yeah, if he can't get past his own accent, then he shouldn't have been cast in the role. I agree with you, but I think that's not entirely his fault. It's... I think that's a lot of that's down to the directorial choices and things like that. But I think he did try his best and he did get some of the vowel sounds right it, more, more than Tom Cruise, I felt it. Yeah, I see where you're coming from there. Would you like to give us your worst accent for yeah, a this female was very Yeah, this is very easy for me. This is this is probably the one where I knew instantly which who it was going to be. I'm going to apologize. I, I cannot distinctly say which actress this was in the film, but it's the Irish friend who they go for the wedding in the Yank. Um, I think her name is Mary, the character's name. She's the one that, her, she's from the pub in Dublin. They're the one that, she's having the wedding in Ireland. That's where they, why they go over to Ireland. She has the worst accent by far. There is no attempt at an Irish accent there. Uh, I think very, very minor for someone who's, because both their parents in the film are Irish. Like, you remember said her father is perfectly Irish, but I went on about this in the the Yank um uh, review that we did i think there's no attempt here at an accent it's for someone who's yeah. supposed to come from li- grew up in a pub in north inner city dublin where i i do live in dublin not too far from there um nothing even like a dublin accent it's clearly she's american not really trying there while i do take it that the yank is you know it's it's a parody like it, it isn't a serious film it is you know a piss take of this pastiche of like americans going to ireland and things like that overall i still think this is the worst accent by um an actress in anything that we've 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 done including like family guy in the simpsons with some of the characters there <laughs> right i think for this one i once again gave it emily blunt i just found her accent atrocious throughout the whole thing just it, it, i remember the like the singing scenes where she loses it yeah. completely stuff like that just made a bad movie worse um and you know obviously the director has come out and said oh it's not for the irish it's like it doesn't matter who it's for it should at least be somewhat accurate yeah it, you know it, it, it which doesn't, it was not yeah, and I, I think i definitely say she did do a bad job but 
there's as I kind of said there there is a it is an Irish accent it's just a bad Irish accent but it's not completely absent sure but in in my mind I'm thinking of how like they must have had accent coaches oh no I agree I mean if, if you take it Wild Mountain Time, if you they take must it have. like as a a larger budget film and with, with an actual actress who you know is able to act Emily Blunt certainly is in that sense it's the worst because it's also the most disappointing and things like that into best accent female which i gave to meryl streep from dancing at lunasa i mean obviously we know from a lot of her films that she is a chameleon when it comes to accents she did a great job as a non-irish person doing an irish accent i don't think i could fault any part of it just really well done in that movie you know i think if you were to watch it and didn't know where she was from you would just accept that she might actually be irish yeah no i I actually, I, I picked the exact same Meryl Streep. I mean, for me, it was just so, it was obviously, it had to be like a non-Irish person doing an Irish accent. And for me, she did a brilliant job. I mean, she's a fantastic, fantastic actress and she just gets the accent perfect. Like, I don't think her accent drops at all in that film. Um, You know, it's just flawless as, as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, I even say like, I want to give a, a special shout out to, um, the people playing the sisters in the film as well because they they genuinely do a good job with their accents. They're 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 all um really good. Oh, yeah, they were all to, wonderful. A shout to Kathy Burke who plays Maggie. I think she's the more kind of simple one. Oh, the sisters um again it gets a bit taken advantage of because Kathy Burke is an English comedian. Um, did some work in the nineties. I'm kind of familiar with her and Kevin and Perry go large. It doesn't. Hey everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. shock me at all see that we both picked Meryl Streep because I think there there really was no no contest here as far as I was concerned it was you know I, I knew who had the worst female accent and who had the best one it was just so obvious to me yeah I mean neither of us can argue because we picked the same yeah. person like she she did a fantastic job with that accent for a male accent then uh, who did you pick um you know Stu this was a, a an interesting one because I actually had to, I, I like open up the the Spotify, went through a podcast, and I was kind of looking through each episode and kind of taking a few notes, and then I was really having a, a long think about this, <clears throat> and I think it's actually harder to um, find a bet a good a good Irish accent as opposed to the worst one because they kind of had a bit of an argument there over the worst ones, but I suppose it's it's more obvious to our ears when you hear a bad Irish accent as opposed to a good one. Like I think like. Yeah, I think like Meryl Streep's one. You yeah, know, you don't notice it when I it's don't good. Think, like, if I if I heard it without knowing it was Meryl Streep, you know, you'd you'd be you might actually say like, yeah, that's just someone from Glenties and Donegal. I mean, I, I you genuinely would think it's an Irish person, and that's kind of the same criteria as trying to use for this. So, in a sense, it was who had the most surprisingly good Irish accent, who was like non a non Irish actor. And this, I'm, I think I, this is a bit of a, I think this right. might surprise you. And it surprised me as well when I settled on it. Um, Robert Prowski's in uh, Far and Away, play, playing um, your one's father, the, the 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 landlord in the house. You know, and, you know, oh, and yes, I'm yes. going to say, had... like, Robert Prowski's a fantastic actor, yeah. God rest him. Um, I was actually 
picked him because myself and my girlfriend were watching the remake of Miracle on 34th Street and, and Mrs. Doubtfire kind of just before Christmas. We, we like It was like, cause, you know, Mara Wilson is in them. We watched Matilda as well uh, because, you know, we were just kind of our Mara Wilson trilogy and kind of heartwarming films. Robert Prowski is actually in Mrs. Doubtfire. He's like the producer guy and he's also the grandfather who uh, is the judge in American 34th Street as well. And he's a very good actor and I got to see him. And it, it just kind of got me more thinking about hearing his accent more in these films and just being like, the fact that he put on a convincing Irish accent and I really listened back to it, couldn't fault him. It's like, that's actually more impressive to me hearing kind of what he more would naturally sound like in these films. And just by accident, I kind of got more exposed to it. And it was just, you know what? That's really, really impressive because he has no Irish in him. He's like Polish American. And he would have like, he, he, he would have had more kind of stereotypical Irish accents in, in film and TV when he would have been starting out and training and all that. So that he was able to, as far as I can see, Stu, minimal kind of coaching here or anything else, able to set on an accent that just sounds right and natural, I think is a massive testament to him as an actor. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, that that is the best male Irish accent by like a non-Irish person doing it here because it just sounded right. Yeah, that's fair enough. So uh, I kind of cheated for this one because, as you say, I was kind of struggling to try to figure out who did it best. But technically, technically now, uh, the person I chose is doing a foreign accent because I chose Pierce Brosnan. You know what? Fair enough. In a foreigner. Yeah, I'll I'll give you that. Because his his uh, his I believe specifically Belfast accent was fantastic. Yeah, you know what? That's actually you kind of looked at it a different way than I did because you know it's kind of an Irish because Pierce Brosnan is Irish. I mean, he did grow up in England, but he actually does have a a not a proper Irish accent when he when he when he wants to turn turn off the charm, if you will. Uh, but that's a fair point. You know, it's um, I he does a fantastic <laughs> yeah. job with it, and it's just a Northern Irish accent is probably the hardest Irish accent to do, I suppose, if you don't know know the differences between them. But I think he he hits it damn pretty much right in the bullseye. I'd go as far as saying, yeah, and obviously he is he is almost mimicking an actual person because there are a lot of similarities between himself and Jerry Adams, but he just, he does it very well. Um, you know, I've obviously listened to, to videos of Jerry Adams yeah. and I, I've heard his accent and I've heard other people from Belfast uh, when they speak. And I was yeah, just like, you know, that good in contrast, like man could have been from Belfast. Um, as well like he just he just embodies that accent as well like he's very i think if anything what this podcast has taught me this year is that pierce brosnan is a massively underrated actor he's really really good if he if he has time to put out like do accent work and things like that and he's genuinely i've always loved him as james bond but like his other work now has just gone up miles in my opinion like fair play to you pierce he did a fantastic job yeah he, he was definitely a, a surprise when i was trying no, I, to think i completely agree with who you should have who should be given the best accent and it was just like no that accent was spot on it's not his native accent let's not get into that technically <laughs> a different country although we could argue about I think that his one. character I think his character <laughs> in the foreigner would probably strongly disagree with you there Stu. <laughs> yeah yeah that would be the hope so before we get on to the yep. our awards for the best and worst movies and our, our best worst movie uh we'll do oh, the best actor right best actor um you know Stu, I, this is this is very tricky uh, for me because I had to think about this one and it got down to it. And I honestly say that it's a tie. I It's not that I can't separate these two people because I can. 
it's just for different reasons. So one is a more comedic take. The other is a serious take. And right. in in the sense that I, I think the ultimate compliment you can give an actor is they're not acting. They're just become the character. And that I, and I feel that is what I rated a lot of these things. And I kind of talked about it when we were talking about the worst actresses and actresses there that, you know, you can't condescend to a character. You, you know, if you're, if you're just playing yourself and it's not that. I felt that in, in these two cases, in, in this, one in a serious sense, yeah, one in fair. a comedic sense, these people embodied their characters. They wore their characters. One of them gave me an extreme emotion of just, this is hilarious. This is just so funny. And I loved it. And it was a compelling performance in that sense where the other person made me cry. And made me feel emotion and just reminded me of someone in my life who's gone and that's an incredible thing to be able to do as an actor so i'm gonna have to give a joint one still if i'm allowed um i honestly think uh, that I, I will allow grand. it so it will be no shock that one of them is owen whelan as cattle Kiant in the film dead meat <laughs> um i yes. think this was so perfect it's like it's a you know it's a bit of a slightly tongue-in-cheek film about a, a zombie outbreak in rural ireland but cattle is it gets the irish farmer just so perfect the way he speaks the accent the speed of it even what he's wearing with that old jumper and everything else it's just brilliant his one-liners are brilliant the timing on them is excellent he even shows emotion when his wife dies and you you see like there's actual depth to this character and like at the thing at the end where he's like I'm going to have to see Biddy like and you know just brilliant every time he's on screen in Dead Meat he makes the film 10 times better um, it's just an, a performance that steals the show uh, takes all of your attention when he's on screen I think he's brilliant absolutely brilliant I think you know very nearly just gave it to him solo but the, the second one is Frank Kelly playing the grandfather in Evelyn and Stu might disagree with me on this one now, but I just felt that once again, he wasn't he wasn't acting. He was just playing a grandfather. And I felt like it's just, you know, we, we kind of grew up with seeing him on like, you know, Father Ted is Father Jack. And obviously it's not, not at all what he's like in real life. And I met Frank Kelly um, and, you know, and this this just seemed like it was him with his own grandchildren. It didn't feel like there was any acting whatsoever, Stu. This was just a grandfather and his granddaughter and looking after them and even when he was with Pierce Brosnan, like as his son, you, it would just felt like it was a genuine father son relationship. Like there wasn't any, anything there. And even like when he, he's like, you know, giving out to the grandmother and saying like, it's a lot, you know, he's like saying, Oh, your daughter, it's a lot of hotter place. You'd be going than Australia. You know, just he's funny. He's nice. He's he even like does the uh, miming playing the instrument quite well. And when, when he dies in the film, it's genuinely heartbreaking. Cause like he's able to do a death scene just so, so well. And he's just so charming and things like that and it reminded me of a lot of my own grandfathers and really kind of got to me when he died like I felt like I had emotional depth when I was younger versus now when it's just when it got down to it I thought the two of them you know they weren't playing characters they just became the roles and in two completely different ways but I I honestly couldn't separate them at the end because you know as far as I'm concerned it was just an outstanding performance in both regards right well I do agree with you but I had to give it to Limerick's own Richard Harris from the field because Fair enough. He, in that role he he just embodies the Bull McCabe like the yeah. the imposing nature but just like the stature that he has he 
he stands tall the whole time. You know, he you you see him when he gets beaten down and the the madness slowly yeah. creep over him. You have those lighthearted moments with the bird and his son, uh, and just like you in his practically soliloquies, that just the way he he emotes about his love for the field and for his family and what he what he wants out of life and 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 for other people, uh, what what he thinks he deserves, obviously. He just he did a, a fantastic performance, and I I don't think there's anyone who's seen that movie and and went back to read the play and doesn't entirely envision uh, the character as being Richard Harris. I think that if anyone does the play acting as the Bull McCabe, they will be using Richard Harris's performance as the benchmark and as the the guiding for their own portrayal because he just does a fantastic job there, there's not one part of it that i could fault yeah i mean i i, I do see where you're coming from and i do largely agree with you i mean i if i was given like an honorable mention in this category i think it would definitely have to be richard harris as the bull mccabe um i think as you know, like i'm a massive fan of john b Keane's work as i talked a lot about in that review and other ones but um I think he does basically become the character as well to a large extent. I just felt that it with Cattle and, you know, the grandfather and Evelyn, it's just a little bit more complete. And maybe that's because I've read the kind of source material. Like I, I've seen the play be performed many times. I've read it many times and it's, Obviously, it's different when it comes to the film. It's a different adaption. But I think Richard Harris does get what the bull is a lot more than some other people I've seen act on stage uh, as the bull have. But I think maybe it's just slightly how he's a bit different in the film than the play is just maybe what puts it a tiny bit down for me that there's just not the... There's a slight mischievous kind of joking element in the play that isn't present in the film. And his relationship with Tyg. I think has changed a fair bit because of that and I understand some of that is down to the writing of the film but at the same time I think maybe Richard Harris could have put a little bit more of that there in some of the scenes with Tyg and I just think maybe that's why I wouldn't put him up on top with the other two so I agree with you largely Stu like 98% of it I think it is an outstanding performance he is the Bull McCabe Okay so our last acting category is of course Best Actor Female which I'm actually giving to Ev specifically the actor who plays her Sophie Vavasour obviously uh, as a very young actor she she plays that hardship incredibly well you know you get the the, the pain of it throughout um and just everything that goes along with that the, the moments of hope as the movie progresses and her like interactions with Frank Kelly yeah. specifically were just really lovely to watch uh, and for such a young actor to do such a great job in a role was surprising to me and uh yeah so I think um, she deserves it. No surprise, I picked her as well. Um, it was, I, you know, oh, I, I thought about this as well and I kept coming back to her and I think, just as what you said, like, to be at that age, to be a lead effectively in a film opposite like Frank Kelly, Pierce Brosnan, just even re, you know, it, it just, and still to be able to go toe-to-toe with them and it being genuine and everything else there. Like, she is, she is Evelyn in this film the same way that Frank Kelly is her grandfather and, it just works, you know. She she's able to act far, far above her, you know, her age. 
in terms of that. She is a better actress than some people who have decades more experience than in some of the other films we've seen. Um, and just absolutely nails it. And she, there's that chemistry and warmth between her and Frank Kelly and Pierce Brosnan and even like her two brothers in the film. And even like with her mother, you know, when her mother is like leaving the, the flats in the start of the film and she's like calling after her, like she just gets it. And it's just... Yeah, you can see yeah, her pain just, like... That is an outstanding job. And while I was trying to pick my person for best actor female uh i did find an interview that she did with evelyn and uh, evelyn did say that she's exactly like myself every way all her performance was just her as a child and so i think that kind of has to push it over the edge that's it when the literal person is saying no she's acting exactly like i did when i was i mean mean, that's an incredible compliment now our third last category is going to be best worst movie Yeah, this was a category we put in a kind of my insistence because i felt that i'm a big fan of like films that are so bad they're good like you know like the room or samurai copper things like that are and and, well another one we will do in the future fatal deviation which we'll, we'll 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 save if you haven't seen it so this is like a film that's so bad it's good like it's a bad film but it's enjoyable in in the same way so i i felt that this it wasn't fair to like have like the worst film as being one that i can still say i enjoyed in my view the worst film should be this was the worst thing i've had to watch doing this podcast so that that's the that's the kind of reasoning why we 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 did it this way um so i hope that's gonna clear Uh, well who knows we might have the same one but i'm saying the yank i think it was the kind of movie that you would bring friends around to watch just to see how ridiculous it is a lot of the scenes in it are genuinely funny you get like we found out a lot obviously this is one of our earlier episodes yeah. we found out a lot about the irish stereotypes that americans and others have about ireland in it so it, it was really eye-opening for us to to get that in early and help us to spot it in other you movies know, Stu, surprisingly that i i had this down as my answer until probably about two hours before we recorded this. And it was me going back thinking about Cahal Kianis oh, right. and then rewatching parts of Dead Meat that I was like, actually, I think I have to give it to Dead Meat. And I did. I'm going to go with Dead Meat for best worst um, because... I like to say I love the Yank as a film. I I've rewatched that several times as I have Dead Meat. I think the Yank is probably the most, maybe the most enjoyment I've gotten out of the film. And I think there's like Calamini and, and Fred Willard's characters absolutely make it. It's entirely that. But I think with Dead Meat, just it's a different kind of bad it's good and there, there's there because there's some good there's some great bits in it like where like she uses her heels as like a weapon in the zombies heads and um just like just cattle's entire bit there as well like with the yeah, there's even some bits that are good like i love with the the whole bit where they're in the jeep and it it genuinely is just the headlights of the jeep like looking at the kids eating the clown which is just abstract and mad so i think it, it's it has a mix of best and worst, and that's kind of what works for me. I would say that I nearly, you know, I'd put the Yank at like such a close second on this, but, you know, just in the end, I think Kalkian was better than Fred Willard and Colomini as a package overall, and that's just what pipped it towards Dead Meat for me. But this was so close. 
like I genuinely thought for most of today it was going to be the Yank, but just in the end, because of looking, think settling on Cattle as the best overall. Yeah, I suppose, I, I, like I see where you're coming from. I definitely think for me it, it is the Yank. I think if we had done a best director category, oh, I would no, have had to give it to Conor McMahon for the two movies yep. that we watched of his. But uh, I just think the Yank has that kind of the the, the stereotypes done in a funny way having Colin Meany in there and of course Fred Willard RIP to him made it uh, much funnier and uh, I can never fault that one uh Green Hornet and Kato are at the door moment with with Colomini. I thought that one was just hilarious. There's a point to make that you're with the Yank, you're laughing with the film in a lot of parts. I think with Dead Meat, you you do laugh with the film when Cattle comes on, but you also laugh at the film in a couple of places, like where you're you're one at the very start kills her boyfriend with the like almost the cross or things like that. That's you're kind of laughing at the film and then like takes out his eyeball with the Hoover. You're laughing at the film at that point, and then like later when Cattle, you're laughing with the film. So I think it's you couldn't say it's a good film overall. I think that kind of fits the category a bit better than The Yank, which I would argue you could say is object could potentially be seen as being a good, not a great film, but a good film. Whereas I think with Dead Meat, you could never go as far as saying that it's so bad, it's good is kind of the right area for that, if you know what I mean. I think I think The Yank basically is too good to be considered a bad film, is the point of point I make, because you never, you're not really laughing at the film. Right, so I think we'll go to Worst Movie, which we may both have the same answer oh, for. I don't think so. Uh-huh. Well, I said, of course, Wild Mountain Time. We've we've discussed it ad nauseum at this stage, but just poor movie, poor direction, poor plot. Poor acting, poor accents. Uh, the whole thing was uh, the hottest of messes. And I think even uh, on the back end, the, the comments from the director and certain actors in it have just soured it even more. Uh, I, I, I couldn't find a single thing I enjoyed about it. I mean, I laughed at it, sure, but I was laughing at it for things that were meant to be sincere. It was just a jumbled mess of a movie that I hope to never have to watch again. Yeah, uh, when it came to worst movie, you know, I I didn't feel Wild Mountain Time was the worst. And I was very torn between two of them. And, you know, I, 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 I'm I going to say I've made a decision while we've been recording this because I was still very unsure. I think, I think this is weird because of what I said earlier, but... I nearly put Dancing as Lunas at the worst because I've rewatched it since then. And while I praise Meryl Streep and some of the performances in it, as a movie overall, it's just boring. And I think I, we even said when we originally reviewed it that I th- I kind of just gave it a kind of a meh. I, I didn't like it overall. There were some good parts in it, yeah. but I just felt it was boring. So I've rewatched it since then. And I think it's just, it is such a middle of the road film. I think mediocrity is possibly the worst thing. But having said that, I'm not going to give it the award because I don't think it's a terrible film. And I think because the performances in it are so good and rewatching it made me realize how, how excellent Meryl Streep is and Kathy Burke is as well. I just couldn't do it. Because like even like Reese Iffins and some of the other people in the film, they, the performances are good. It's not their fault. It, the structure the film is bad it has to be far and away is the worst film even though as much as I praise Robert Prowski's performance in it and accent great job and it doesn't have the worst accents overall I think it's just as a film together this was the hardest thing to watch this was absolute torture to get through it was way too long the structure was all over the part the parts that were enjoyable were far too small Wild Mountain Time to its credit has brevity it is not a long film you do even when you're laughing at the film you, you know it kind of gets you along and like I found Wild Mountain Time I could watch that in one sitting no problem because even when I was taking notes it was fine it took me four sittings I think at least to watch um, Far and Away it bored the absolute arse off me it 
it, it goes off a cliff as soon as they get out of the the boxing like as soon as they kicked out of the apartments in America the film just goes off a goddamn cliff I hated the last hour of it I, I think objectively as a film it's much worse than Wild Mountain Time even with some good performances in it in parts uh, like Colomini is good in that as well I like the fight scenes in it a fair bit but just fuck that was awful you know I think it's a much worse film than Wild Mountain Time I would not it was it's the only thing I think I'd go as far as saying to I would not rewatch out of everything else I'd even consider rewatching Rawhead Rex which is not a good film yeah I mean fair enough I think we've both picked some terrible movies as uh, our worst of the year but uh, I suppose we'll have to get down to the final category which is the best movie of the year yeah so this was you know I, I, I feel we may have the same answer here but we, we'll kind of see it got down for me Stu to a two-way tie and if there was like a, a category for like most unexpectedly great film, I, I think I would I know exactly what I'd put there. So in the end, it was between The Secret of Ron Inish and Evelyn. And I have had to go with Evelyn, quite frankly. I watched this, like I suggested this film to Stu. It, I really enjoyed it a lot when I was younger. I had strong feelings about it. I said like Frank Kelly's job is in there. Sophie's job playing Evelyn is just fantastic. Pierce Brosnan gives one of the best performances I think he's ever given in a film in this everyone is good in this film there's plenty of bits i like it it makes you cry it makes you angry it makes you laugh um it's held up better than i remember it and you know it's just such a good film it's underrated as well they should have done a lot better when it came out i feel it just um it makes me happy to think about it even because i know i'm going to go through like a range of emotions when i watch it and i think objectively it's got some of the best performances overall in a film the standard of acting in this is incredibly high it it's even shot beautifully like even when pierce brosnan like interrupting the two lawyers out in the lake that's a great little scene there even the bits like he's singing down the pub it feels like he is in the pub the one liners in it are good it's well written it's well directed it's just got it all really well surprisingly Rob I took the road not taken and I actually chose uh, The yeah. Secret of Rowan in it <laughs> I thought it was a very sweet movie it uh you know it, it, it's not what I'd usually watch you know it's very yeah. calming and and you know there, there's no real intensity to it but I found that it, it's the kind of movie that you could just like sit down on a Sunday with the fire with like the whole family and watch and all of you enjoy for your own reasons i like a lot of fantasy stuff so the the mythological elements with the selkies in there uh was very nice as well and you know it's just a wholesome film it really was just something that you enjoy through and through you know there's a mystery to it that you're kind of slowly learning as you go along and uh you know especially for same as evelyn having you know a child actress doing such a a great job in the role throughout uh just especially you know it's a lot harder to film on the sea and they did, did quite a bit of that it really got down to evelyn and that for me in terms of a series like if i was kind of doing more comedy it would probably definitely have been the yank that's why i wanted to kind of give it an honorable mention and i when i when i kind of did two for best actor i felt it was unfair to do two in another category as well so i, I mean i wasn't going to push my luck with that but i think overall evelyn for me maybe because i had that attachment to it when i was younger when it first came out but i mean rowan inish is it's the most pleasantly I've been surprised doing this. I honestly didn't know what to expect when you recommended this film to me, and I remember watching it um, as I, I suppose to, to, to kind of peel back the curtain for a moment to our listeners, uh, because I work full time and also do college as well as I've mentioned, we've had to reschedule podcasts and things. What I normally do is I only watch the film 
we're, we're reviewing on a Saturday morning and then get ready to record it Saturday evening. And that's that's kind of the way we've been doing it for a little while. So I'm often tired, maybe a little bit hungover. And, you know, sometimes I, I watch the films in multiple sittings and things like that. I remember putting this on and not getting up for the entire length of it. Um, I enjoyed it that much. It was the most pleasantly I've been surprised. McLally is just so, so good in this film. Like almost as good as Frank Kelly and Evelyn. I love that film as well. But maybe... I think it's just because of it. I think Evelyn just has a slightly bigger um, personal attachment to me. And I just because maybe I, I associate Frank Kelly with my grandfather's a little bit more than Mick Lally, it just maybe puts it slightly above it. But either of these films are fantastic films. I will definitely show them to my children in the far future when I have children. <laughs> But yeah, I think I, I either of these, you know, are fantastic films. Yeah, both fantastic movies. And Evelyn would have been definitely up there on the top five at the very least, if not second place. But I think that'll do us for this week and this year. We've had our ups and downs. Uh, it's been an interesting year starting a podcast in the middle of a pandemic. I suppose we just really have to thank everyone for listening. Uh, it's just been nice having a chat with Rob every week, yep. even if we're in lockdown, having something to focus on as well. I know we do both work, but having something enjoyable where we'd normally be in a pub on a Saturday night, but can't for the time I, being. Uh, it's also been lovely for me because at times when I was younger anyway I didn't really care that much about being Irish or Irishness and so starting a podcast specifically about it I've learned a hell of a lot that uh, I've really enjoyed yeah I I, I mean I I got a thanks to for really coming up with this concept and kind of you know running with it and getting me involved in this um like I think we 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 met myself and Sue knew each other since college. We we met when we did physics, and well, one of us still works in the that that area. Of, uh, I don't anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose I got I got involved in radio in college, and I I suppose too we. It's not that we ever. I don't think for ever formally did a radio show together. You just be on a lot of my shows at times, and it just kind of worked. And we, yeah. we always like we were always like very good friends. We always had a good kind of back and forth about a variety of things. And even when I did a current affairs show. Mostly talking about like you know British and American politics. Having your views on it was always a good kind of contrast, and it just kind of worked quite well. So I suppose having that experience and kind of putting it together, it just we we kind of maybe had talked in the past about maybe a podcast or like a YouTube channel. We'd certainly said about as well, and I think we just found the right idea. Well, you did. You found the right idea and just the right kind of thing. And I suppose with the lockdown, it just kind of made everything go together. I haven't been able to really perform poetry in the way I, I used to do before before this and with just suffering from quite bad writer's block I, I, I was trying to write a book and that didn't really you know it's, it's not finished <laughs> same with my poetry I, I really struggled with that at the start of lockdown with the way everything was working and this is really giving me something to look forward to every week when I'm you know working a lot doing a load of college stuff on top of it as well and basically like in my room from like you know wake up work here till like five o'clock take an hour off have dinner come back up to college six to eight often longer than that it's just nice being able to do have a break and you know 
in, see some great things and some terrible things, but always fun to talk about. And in, in, in a sense, it's like we're not doing the pub like, you know, in the pub, like Stu said there, but it's being able to do this and have other people enjoy it is, is a fantastic feeling. I, I didn't really know where we'd be at the end of this year. Hope Ideally, we would have been out of lockdown, but oh well. But I, I think this podcast has surpassed my expectations. I don't know about you, Stu, but I, I really enjoy this and I'm glad other people do. And, you know, thank you to, to everyone that does listen to this. It's um, oddly heartwarming to see that we've people like us talking about what it's like to be Irish and things like that, because it's it's maybe not something you're all you always think about in this country, because it's changed so much, even in our lifetimes, what Ireland was like when we grew up in the, the late 90s, early 2000s is very different to what it is now in 2020 with the lives we live. But it's 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 nice to see that people want to hear about what what it is, what it means to us and what the collective experience is in this country. So I think that's good. Before I shut up, I, I, I'd i like to just give a specific shout out to, to to a few people, if that's all right, Stu, to Will Nolan, who Stu will know. We, we, we knew him very well from uh, the radio days back in college and has always given uh, good feedback to me and Stu about this. So, Will, if you're listening, thank you so much. Also, you know, to, to Chloe, who has been, you know, a, a great supporter of us, did help us out with the Evelyn interview and a few other bits as well, and has always given good, honest feedback. And yeah, really, she she is my girlfriend, so perhaps I'm a little bit biased here, Stu. But, um, you know, someone who's definitely given a lot of support about the podcast and always tells me what she likes and what she doesn't like. And, you know, thanks for that as well. And her support has been good here too. So, um, also to our families who have been, you know, pr- pr- pretty much okay with me shouting up in my room every every Saturday morning. <laughs> Or afternoon. I, I suppose that's it. I, I I guess we'll we'll end as we always do. Uh thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh for sticking with us through our first well calendar year, certainly. It's only been about six, seven months we've been doing this. Uh we will be back in 2021 at some point, probably next week. Uh as always, we do appreciate any feedback you can give us. We really, really appreciate it. If there's any suggestions for for any new films, TV shows, um, even plays or, or video games even that have Irish characters we'd be delighted to hear it you can reach us as always at BlarneyPod on Twitter and TalkingBlarneyPod at gmail.com is our email address um, please let us know tell a friend if you've liked this podcast if you disagree with our awards if you think there was another good film or there's an episode of this podcast this year you've really enjoyed please let us know we'd be delighted to hear it so for me it is still a somewhat happy Christmas to to some of you uh, have a lovely new year and hopefully it is, will be a, a safe and um, better year in 2021 wherever you are in the world so from Rob it's goodbye Sloan and we'll see you next week